words and action may change those around us. However, what happens when honor gains ground? And influence our lives? Honor. Give honor to whom it is due. We're in the midst of this, I think, very important series on honor. And what we've learned so far is that honor in Hebrew means kavet. And the meaning of this word kavet is weight. So when we're honoring someone, we're putting weight. We're giving weight to something or to someone. And we don't do this with, um, because of deeds or of uh, performance. And I think that sometimes we get confused between honor and respect. I think respect is something that you must work for. Here in Switzerland, you have to work hard to get the respect of the people. Maybe uh, you have realized that when you're working maybe in a company and over a couple of years you have been leading teams, you have been uh, doing amazing things, people will respect you. They will give you respect. But the problem with respect is that's something that you can lose if you're not continuing to perform well. So people will take away the respect and want um, talk to you with this same respect that they did maybe a couple of years ago. But when we're coming to the topic of honor, we're talking about something that comes out of a revelation. I think that honor comes out of a revelation that my fellow humankinds have been made in the image of God, that they have the imprint of God on their lives, and this is a revelation that is important. And I think that's why to have the right belief, to have the right revelation in the right God, into the Word of God, is something that is important. I mean, sometimes in the public you hear, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, religion and belief is something private. Everyone needs to decide in private, private what he wants to believe, what religion he wants to follow, and so on. And, of course, it's something personal, but the thing is that what you believe shows in your actions. So what you believe maybe in private will determine your public life. So your revelation about God, about humankind, about, every, about how these two things are connected will determine the way you are honoring people, the way you are talking with people the way you are relating to people. And if we understand that we have all been made in the image of God, we understand why the Bible tells us that we should honor all people. That's the verse, the basic verse that we have for this message is found in 1 Peter 2, 17, where it says, honor all people. So we said honor goes up, so we honor 
our leaders, we honor down. If we are a leader, we honor the people that are under us. We honor as parents our, our, uh, our children. And honor is going to the side, means to the people that are on the same level that we are. And honor goes in, means honor for myself too, because I've been created by this awesome God in heaven. And so we read here, honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. And you know, the king here is is uh, Nero, the Roman emperor Nero, and he was just about to persecute the Christians. So I think you really need an ex exclamation mark after this verse. Because to honor this king in that time, you really need to have good arguments to be able to honor this guy and to understand that he had been placed by God because the Bible tells us that every leader has been placed by God in, in, in its position. And so we see that to be able to honor, to honor well, we need to have a revelation about our God, about ourselves, and about the people around us. And so the topic today is honor to the side. And this is a topic that is most important because most of the time we will relate to people that are alongside us, work colleagues, friends, people that do life with you, so people that are around you, and especially tonight, I want to highlight uh, something out of this side honoring, and I know this is a, a hot topic, but I love to tackle hot topics, hot theological topics. So when it comes to honoring to the side, tonight I want to highlight the relationship between men and women. Because, you know, maybe you now you say, yeah, but did you get that right? I mean, honoring between men and women, should that be a topic for honoring up and honoring down? I mean, that's what church history has been teaching us over the last couple of centuries, that men are up there, women are down there, and so there's this honoring that goes up. But I believe that, you know what we read in the media over the last couple of weeks, that lots of women in Germany, in Switzerland, around Europe, have been um, treated uh, with dishonor, comes from a wrong revelation about the weight of women in the eyes of God. In the eyes of God. And so that's why I think this is an important topic that we think about, that we go back into the original purposes of God. If we go back into creation story and try to understand what was the original intent when God created men and women. And I think this is an important thing that we need to do to go back, to always go back to the origins, to the beginning, to fully understand what was the original plan of God when he made the world, when he created you, when he created me, when he created man and woman in his likeness. So let us go back to the most important book of the Bible. That's what I tell my students at ICF College all the time. The most important book of the Bible is the first book of the Bible. That's Genesis. Why? Because everything starts there. And so we need to understand because this is the origin. That is the original intent of God. And so if you want to 
understand it, you need to go back there. And so I want to bring you back to this verse in Genesis 2. And did you know that human needs salvation? Of course you know that. After the fall, of course. That's why Jesus came and he reestablished everything. But you know what? Humans even needed salvation before the fall. Interesting thought. I want to explain you why. If we read in Genesis 2 verse 18, we read the following. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. Let's, let's have a break here. It seems that God is a little bit self-critical. I mean, he has just been forming the earth, doing everything good, well, it's very good. But it seems that there's something that is not good still. You know what is the biggest threat for human? It's isolation. It's loneliness. That's the biggest threat for a human being. I've just read that the University College of London has been doing a, a survey on elderly people and they found out that elderly people that are isolated, who don't have social contacts, uh, are more often sick and die earlier because of isolation. And this, is, this has an effect on your physical well-being and we need help. We need salvation out of this loneliness. And this is what God saw here in, in, uh, in Genesis 2. And so that's why it continues and it says, I will make a helper suitable to him. And I want to look with you uh, on two words. In this verse, it's the, words, it's the, uh, the word helper and suitable. I think these are two important words where I think we need to go a little bit into the original language, the Hebrew language, to fully understand what God wants to say with this. And so the first word, helper, is the Hebrew word, ezer. Ezer. And this word meaning is help or helper or assistant, as it is said here. And it's a masculine word, it's important. And of course, in English, this is a masculine word, but in German, this would be a feminine word in most Bible translation, gehilfin, helper. And I think one thing that is important about this word is that we need to understand that we are working with translations and that somehow our own language doesn't transport the same meaning. And so when we think about helping, then somehow in our context, help, a helper, is someone who gives you a hand, who, who gives you a hand because it's maybe you're too busy or you don't want to do the job, so you need an assistant assisting you and giving you a hand out so that you will be able to do your task. But if you go into the Hebrew and we try to understand what ezer really means, ezer in Hebrew means salvation. Did you know that this word ezer, uh, we find this word more than 40 times in the Old Testament. And every time that this word ezer is used, is used in connection with God. One of the most known probably verses where this ezer comes twice, is uh, Psalm uh, 121. It says there, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my ezer 
come from? My Ezer comes from the Lord, the maker of heavens and earth. I mean, talking about help, this is not just a little handout. Ezer means help, salvation in a dangerous situation where you need someone like God helping you out of a situation that, that could be a threat for you. And Ezer, in connection with human being, is only found in this verse, Genesis 2.18. I will make him a helper. And I think this shows us how important our fellow humans are. And I'm not just talking about men and women. This word here is not especially, as I said, it's not a feminine word. It talks that we need people who help us to come out of this loneliness because that's the only thing that you can't do alone. You need someone helping you not to be alone anymore. That's one of the things that you can't do. Even if you're gifted, even if you, you can do everything else, you can't take loneliness from you alone. You need someone. You need an Ezer. We need salvation. We need salvation. We need salvation out of that. And that's why when it comes to relationship between men and women, this talks about not just helping for procreation. I need a help so I can make babies. I need a help to, to help me in the household. No, I need a help for my whole life. I need a help for my life. I need someone who is beside me, who takes me out of this pit of loneliness, of this danger of dying alone. The second word that I want to look at with you, uh, let, me, let me think, is this word suitable. It says here, I will make a helper suitable to him. And this word is the Hebrew word. Ooh, draw. Kenegno. Kenegdo. Kenegdo. Beautiful. It's good. Kenegdo. And what does that mean? You know, it's interesting that, you know, our Bible translation have been uh, made by people who were also in their um, social status. And if you look, for instance, at the German translation of this verse from Martin Luther, and I'm really honoring this man of God who did lots for church history and reformation, everything. But some of his translation, I think he got a little bit wrong. Sorry to say that. So in the German translation of this verse, it says here, I will make him a helper who, who is all around him. Like, you know, this picture of the patriarch in the middle and the women orbiting around him, giving him glory like the moon around the sun. But you know, this word connecto never means to be around someone. It means to be at the same level, to be suitable. It talks about two things that have the same size and that match together. The one doesn't work with the other. This is the word connecto. It means on the same level. 
its team, its two personalities, two identities growing side by side, forming the strength of the two becoming one, but not losing your identity, not, not like kind of losing who you are just to, to go under, under a leadership of someone. No, it says, you bring your 100%, I bring my 100%, and together we form this unity that is so strong. And that is the picture of this union between men and women, is this kenekno. And what I want to say now is something that I know maybe some people won't um, like, but I will say it anyway. You know that this subordination of women under the men is a consequence of the fall. Patriarchy is sin. You know why? We read in, first, uh, in Genesis 3.16, to the women, he said, God said, I will make you, your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband. And now, and he will rule over you. It doesn't say he shall rule over you. It says here, he will as a consequence of what happened with the apple. And so that's why tonight it's important that we go back to the original intent of God. It's men and women. It's people, not just men and women, but it's people on the same level, honoring each other because they've been made in the image of God, working alongside, honoring each other and changing the world. And, you know, I'm a teacher, and the teacher is very good in theory. And I think that's, that was good theology. Don't, don't you think it was good theology? It was good theology, hey, yeah, thank you. I know. But I think I'll call my helper on stage, my Ezer. Because you know, theory is one thing, but this is my Ezer, has been my Ezer for the last 16 years. She's, uh, she's my savior, she saves me. She saves me out of loneliness. And, you know, I thought it could be helpful that we don't keep it to the level of theory, but that we get a little bit real tonight and talk about, okay, now that we've said that, and we're talking about honoring uh, in, in relationship, like in, in marriage, um, how do you think we do in this whole honoring thing? It's a very honest question, and I'm a bit, uh, I don't know what she will say. <laughs> I'm now responsible for the practical side. Okay, um, let's start and look back to our beginnings. I mean, we have been, I have been 15, um, or I was 15, and Nick was 18 when we first met, and uh, it was love at first sight. But I can tell you we were teenagers full on not developed yet our personalities, and I'm a very outspoken, um, extrovert person, and I was not very honoring with Nick when something happened that I didn't like, and I said it out loud in front of everybody, and I didn't care, and so I was not honoring you at all in the beginning. Neither did you. Uh, really? 
I was a bit older. Well. You know, that's right. I mean, and, and it's true, like in every um, relationship, and it's important for me to, to understand, we're not here to tell you that we're the perfect couple. I mean, we've gone a long way over these 16 years, and you know, these valleys and wonders is really the story of our marriage. We've been yeah. through valleys, <laughs> and we've seen wonders, but we've seen deep valleys. Yeah. And so it's important also that we talk about that. So, um, I mean, you said, like, the beginnings were not easy, um, so how do you think that we um, got better in honoring each other over the years? Okay. Um, what did we say? We, were, we have been married for 16 years, but we have been together for 22 years. So that's a long time. And um, as we got married, um, we had a time when we went to a, a marriage counseling. Or, no, marriage course. There you go. And we have been married then like for five years or so, and we found out that we are really doing great. We were awesome, it was a super good time, and uh, I think the level of honoring was perfect, and um, then we decided to have children. And lots of things changed, and um, we got into, into um, times and seasons of marriage that were not very easy anymore including these children into our lives. And we found out that we are not that good anymore. And um, yeah, we had to like look back and say, what was it that was so good back then? And what did we change or what did we forget? And we had to relearn the things we were good at. And that was so, um, is that, uh, uh, what's the word? It's a hard time to realize that you're not doing great. It's not a cool thing. And we had to make choices how to get back into a relationship that honors each other well. And uh, it's a, like a relearning and a relearning again and again. And over time we change. We are not staying the same, we're getting older. So we have to relearn it all the time, again and again, again. Uh, but. There are points that I want to say are very, very important in that long journey. <clears throat> in all our crises, we made decisions to not bring our, our crisis into public. We decided very, very clearly who to bring our difficulties of marriage to. We had friends, close friends, who really had the opportunity to look into our marriage, to share our lives, speak godly counsel, into our marriage and we had to learn or we did that really great, we, we protected our marriage in that case and brought it only to people that we knew they will help us through. One thing, the first, uh, the second thing, sorry, I have a few ideas. Second thing is, a, a thing that I love about, uh, about Nick and me is we always, because in the beginning we said yes with Jesus' help. That's a word that we say when we get married and we have no clue what that means. But it's a strong word, yes, with God's help. And to know that Nick built his own relationship with God in a strong way, his responsibility to build his relationship on a strong foundation, same with me. My identity is not dependent on him. My identity is dependent on God, on. so is his. And that's a very uh, important thing. The best me makes the best we. 
It's not me waiting on him till he brings everything I want him to do for me, but it's this both getting stronger in our personality and identity with God. <clears throat> not always doing great, but trying. <laughs> yeah, no, that's right. Yeah, it's yeah. good. Um, if, if I would ask you tonight, what is, what is the climax of creation? What is, what is the climax thing of the creation story? What would be your answer? You know what the answer is? Nakedness. And all the men said, Amen. <laughs> no. I'll take you to the verse right at the end of Genesis 2, the last verse of creation's story. And it says there, Adam and his wife were, th bo were both naked and they felt no shame. So that's the climax of creation, this nakedness, where Adam and Eve, these both, had nothing to hide from each other. And this, this verse doesn't really talk about sex. It's, it's, it's not so much about sex that you think maybe, but it's about being real, mm -hmm. naked. Mm -hmm. My soul can be open before you because I'm in a secure place. And you know, that's the climax of creation when it comes to my relationship to God and to my relationship to people. Not just in married. You know, my best friend, or maybe you have a best friend. I, I mean, the climax of a relationship on an on a even level is to be able to be naked before each other and not feeling shame. Did you know that the feeling of shame develops before the feeling of guilt? Did you know that children, when they are two, they start to feel ashamed, but they start to feeling guilt when they're four to five. So it seems that this shame is something that is very deep within us and where God makes it clear, if you come into relationship with me, there is no shame. And the same should be true if we go into relationship with each other, also in, in, in marriage, but not only in marriage, uh, if you're in relationship with people, people that are alongside you, that are people that, that are able to talk into your life, this is the climax. So, like, what, what does that say to you? That was, again, great theory. I think the biggest thing that, I, that honors me the most is um, I could always trust you 100%. And I say that in a world where so many relationships break because people cannot trust each other. And this is something that, that I honor so much that I could always trust you. And I'm talking about not the high seasons. It's not difficult to trust someone when everything is working well but to trust each other 100% when it's not easy, when not everything is looking great. And I mean with this in crisis, for example, I say that in crisis it's hard to have an intimate relationship, to be naked before each other. That's when shame comes, when you draw back, when you maybe not even have sex, for example. And to know that my partner is never feeding himself somewhere else. Knowing 100% he is standing with me, his yes is a yes, 100% yes with the help of God because alone we can't do it. It's too hard. 
and to, to know this deep within, in every crisis, we walk it through with the help of Jesus, because alone we can't do it. And I can trust you with the way you talk about me, behind me, behind my back, with men, men under each other, you have sometimes a different language than at home. And I know Nick doesn't have that. I really, really honor and love that about you. Great. <laughs> what shall I say? <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Maybe you don't know, but we met through music. Nick and I um, made music together for many years, and we thought we'd bring you a song. It's a German song. We have translated it on the screen. You can um, read alongside us when we sing it. And it's a great song that like, sums up what we said about our relationship. It's called My Favorite Person. Wie ein Segelschiff im All Aber bist du mit mir an Bord Bin ich gerne durchgeknallt Selbst der Stau auf der A1 Macht mit dir ist schnell vorbei Und die Plörre von der Tanke Schmeckt wie Kaffee auf Hawaii yeah. Auch wenn ich schweig, du weißt Bescheid Ich brauch gar nichts sagen Ein Blick reicht Wird uns der Alltag hier zu grau Dann pack ich dich ein Bier Aber dir vertraue ich's an, weil du sicher aufbewahrst meine Area 51. Manchmal drehen wir uns im Kreis, aus einer Kleinigkeit wird Streit. Aber mehr als fünf Minuten kann ich dir nicht böse sein. Yeah. Mach ich dir was vor, fällt's dir sofort auf. Lass ich mich hängen, dann baust du mich auf. Manchmal wird der Alltag hier wie Blei, doch bist du mit mir scheint. Danke, Lieblingsmensch, ein Riesenkompliment dafür, dass du mich so gut kennst. Mit dir kann ich ich sein, verträumt und verrückt sein. Na, 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 na. Danke, Lieblingsmensch, schön, dass wir uns kennen. Hallo, Lieblingsmensch, ein Riesenkompliment dafür. 
Lieblingsmensch Ein riesen Kompliment dafür, dass du mich so gut kennst Bei dir kann ich ich sein, verträumt und verrückt sein na, 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 na. Danke Lieblingsmensch, schön, dass wir uns kennen Favorite person. I want to, we want to finish this evening with a prayer. And, you know, for me it's important that you understand that what we were saying the last couple of minutes doesn't just apply to married people. We're all in relationship. Even if you're single, you have friends. You have best friends. You have people alongside you, doing life with you. These are your Ezer. These are your people. The people that God has put into your life. On the same level, doing life together, understanding they've been made, created by God, put into your life to do life with you. And so I think that out of that, we get this revelation how important it is that we honor people. That we put weight on the people that God has put into our life because they're so important for us. We can't live without them. And if you're married tonight, hopefully you have understood that we don't have everything together. I mean, we're on a journey and uh, there's good times, there's the better times, and there's the others. But we know in all of that that God is with us in this journey. And so if you're married or you're in relationship with each other I just want to pray tonight that you hold on to God even if maybe you're here and you think that your relationship doesn't really look like it should you know God is is with us he's the one who gives life and turns dead situation into life and I want to pray because I think this is a topic that is really under attack you know I think that married marriage are really under attack because that's such a strong thing also for a church like a strong base of a church are strong couples and so I want to pray and so please join join with us in prayer you can close your eyes and just bring to God whatever he has touched and placed on your heart tonight Lord Jesus I thank you that you have made us in your image you have made every single one of us different special precious, weighty because you have put your imprint on us and I thank you Lord that we can know this and get to understand how precious the people are in our lives and Lord help us to see with your own eyes when it comes to the people alongside us, when it comes to our partners, when it comes to our to our yes to our uh, wife or husband that we don't see them through our critical eyes of measuring if they're, they're measuring up to our expectations but seeing them through your own eyes God and I pray especially now for every couple that is here tonight that maybe go to hard times I, I want to pray that you will give us this hope that you can fix things well you can bring things together that you can give us fresh revelation for each other that forgiveness can be something that is flowing out of our life 
and I pray your blessing over every single couple in this room. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are the one that is uniting us and holding us together in the good and the bad. Thank you, Jesus. I would love to pray for everyone who is in here and feeling lonely today. I want to pray for you that God will bring people into your life, gives you wisdom to choose wise, who can come into your life and share it with you on a godly level because it's such a powerful thing. Um, Lord Jesus, I pray for every person that feels lonely in here. It's not something you have invented. You invented relationship. And Father, I pray that you would give people this gift of relationship, of letting people close, giving them heart relationships that really count and that really bring life into a new level. I pray that, God, you bless these people with your beautiful, beautiful love and care. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen.